You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. For many of us, we take the beautiful forested areas of Colorado for granted. They're there, and we enjoy them. But truth be told, there's a great deal of work that goes into maintaining those forests by Colorado Parks and Wildlife, along with a number of other agencies, to keep them healthy and flourishing for you and I to enjoy, and more importantly, for our state's wildlife population to thrive in. Today, we're talking forest restoration, specifically in the Spanish Peak State Wildlife Area on Colorado Outdoors. You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. The podcast is powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. GOCO invests a portion of Colorado lottery proceeds to help preserve and enhance the state's parks, trails, wildlife, rivers, and open spaces. Its independent board awards competitive grants to local governments and land trusts and makes investments through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Created when voters approved a constitutional amendment back in 1992, GOCO has committed more than $1.2 billion in lottery proceeds to more than 5,200 projects in all 64 counties without any tax dollar support. Now, today on Colorado Outdoors, we're talking forest restoration, specifically in the Spanish Peak State Wildlife Area. Joining us now is Mike Smith, CPW Wildlife Technician out of the Southeast Region. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Uh, first off, tell us a little bit about the State Wildlife Area there at Spanish Peaks and kind of your role in maintaining it. Well, the Spanish Peaks is approximately 7,000 acres in, uh, in Los Angeles County, and it is about 25 miles northwest of Trinidad and on the south part of the state. Twin Spanish Peaks. Colorado Parks and Wildlife started putting these properties together from local ranching families in the mid-1960s and now encompasses uh, approximately five different tracks. Four of them are contiguous on the headquarters here. And my responsibility primarily is doing habitat work, keeping the infrastructure up and running, signs, mapping, GIS work, uh, as well as water development, weed management, and food plots. You know, really is an amazing area from a wildlife, big game species area, isn't it? I mean, I, I've heard phenomenal things about that area. Well, you know, uh, going back to the original documents, when these properties were originally required, or acquired, uh, there were justifications written, uh, written to uh, acquire funding for these, and um, trap and transplant sources were one of the major reasons for, for wild turkeys critical winter range for deer and elk, and we also have a um, quite a robust population of bears and mountain lions. Hmm. Yeah, it really is a very rich resource in, in, in that regard. Now, the most recent uh, habitat project just completed involved 370 acres of, of thinning the, the, the forest, correct? Kind of take us through that and what you folks are working on. Well, this it's just a continuum of ongoing um, long-term foresting projects, and it really is driven by the amount of funding that's available and also working 
in conjunction with internal partners, CPW, our local Habitat Protection Committee, the Sangre de Cristos, as well as um, Rocky Mountain Up Foundation, the National Wild Turkey Federation, we all try and pull our funding and do, um, do forest thinning as we're able to map it um, and uh, secure um, contractors have the equipment to do it. And it's really all about restoring forest health, opening up the forest canopy, allowing more sunlight on the uh, forest floor, which um, drives uh, responses of grasses, native forbs, shrubbery. I'd imagine when you do that kind of thing as well, it, it really is a boon then for the wildlife uh, over, over the course of time when, when that floor begins to regenerate, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and a lot of that regeneration is based on moisture, uh, snow accumula- uh, accumulations over the wintertime as well as spring and summer monsoons. And you just have to give it a little bit of time. Three to five years into this uh, recovery, you'll typically see a, a, quite a bloom and the understory. How do you choose the area in which you approach? I mean, I'd, I'd imagine you kind of keep an eye on things, and, and depending upon the undergrowth and, and uh, deadfall, that kind of thing, is that what kind of dictates where you go? Yes, typically we'll have a um, pre-treatment protocol, monitoring points that are well-established, um, measuring the vegetative response before and after the treatment, and then uh, game trail cameras, aerial footage via the, the drone that we just put up uh, that was just deployed about two or three weeks ago. And then, um, you know, over the course of these types of projects that you're going to have to come back with the expectation in 20 to 30 years, depending on forest succession, that you might have to go back and sort of reset the clock vegetatively. Hmm. You know, you told us a little bit about the acquisition of that area and how that kind of happened, but I understand there's some great history in that property, some archaeological uh, type stuff that uh, can be seen and you guys have stumbled upon. Yes, you know, this family, a local family that we recently bought, um, where the headquarters is at, uh, just west of the old logging cabin that probably goes back well over um, 80 to 100 years. And even behind that, there's a um, couple of old wagons. One of them has actually sort of melted down into uh, the vegetation in the ground, but all the hardware of the wagons are still there, the frame, uh, one large sort of slab rock that um, would be a wonderful windbreak. In that, there's a carving of January of 1887, I believe, mm. and there's some remnants of, looks like maybe um, household local dump, um, some of the cans, even old leather women's shoes with even the old original um, staples in the bottom of them. So there's quite a little bit of an archaeological dig going on here if one to kind of pursue it. Well, how about the topography of, of the Spanish Peaks area? Tell us a little about that. Well, where we're at is about approximately 7,500 7, feet, ranges up to 85, 8,800 feet, and it's primarily a mixed forest dominated with uh, ponderosa stands. Uh, throughout most of the property, we have very little pinyon juniper, and interspersed throughout are some low-lying valleys, which is about four to 500 acres of grasslands dispersed throughout the 7,000 acres. But predominantly, it is a ponderosa forest. Well, it really is one of the gems in the state of Colorado, without doubt, the Spanish Peaks State Wildlife Area. Hey, Mike, we appreciate the time of the insight today. Thank you for having me. Well, now on Colorado Outdoors, we segue from Mike Smith to Casey Cooley. He's the Forest Habitat Coordinator for CPWs. We're talking about forest restoration at Spanish Peaks. So Casey, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little about this habitat project we're talking about. Give us kind of the, the, the when, where, and why of uh, what went down at Spanish Peaks. 
sure. Yeah, we started a, a forest restoration project on Spanish Peaks here earlier this June and, and finished up in July. And the intent of that forest restoration project was to increase stand uh, diversity and uh, try to get uh, a better understory response underneath our forest. You know, I'd have to think anytime you guys go about a project like this, it has got to be just a boon for wildlife ultimately, right? Yeah. So, you know, the way that uh, I kind of look at it is immediately after we treat an area, it, it looks pretty, it looks pretty grim, like a, like a bad haircut, so to speak. <laughs> and, uh, but after three to five years, you see a lot of the understory respond with a lot more grasses and forbs coming back and shrubs coming in and, and that that type of uh, habitat really draws in the deer and the elk and the turkey, and, and we see a, a, a big wildlife uh, use increase. Now, did I understand this project encompassed, what, eight, eight different treatment areas? Is that right? Yeah, so we treated eight different treatment areas around Spanish Peaks and uh, for a total of 370 acres, mostly in ponderosa pine habitat with a little bit of mixed conifer uh, habitat in there. There's got to be a great, I would think, uh, wildfire mitigation uh, benefit to this as well, correct? Sure, yeah. When we thin out the forest and we create openings and, and patches of low-density trees and things like that, it definitely helps with um, with wildfire response and, and it helps with um, wildfire severity as well. So if a fire or when a fire does burn through there, hopefully it's less severe and uh the uh, forest is able to rebound quickly and, and get back into uh, uh, working order. I think this is the kind of project that really, I think, is a great example of boots-on-the-ground habitat management that, you know, we do at CPW. Uh, there, there are a lot of people involved in this. So this has got to be a great undertaking when you guys identify an area and then ultimately go in there and exercise what uh, the plan, game plan has been. Yeah, it's a really rewarding project to see, at least for me, it's really rewarding to see kind of active habitat management come to fruition. Uh, you know, we work a lot on these projects with, you know, getting grants and, and, and working with different conservation partners like the Turkey Federation and the Elk Foundation and, and conservation partners like that. And there's a lot of upfront work, so when the project is actually accomplished, it's, it is really rewarding to see the results of, of something actually getting done on the ground for wildlife. This would think I would think would be a, a kind of a constant uh, you know, responsibility for CPW. I mean, you guys have always got to be looking out to the areas that, that need the attention, so it's really kind of a never-ending job, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. That's, uh, you know, thankfully that's job security for me as far as, uh, you know, going around the state looking at our different properties and, and trying to get active forest management onto those properties. It's it's challenging and rewarding, but it definitely keeps me busy and keeps our property tech busy. And this isn't just something that you do on, on state wildlife areas. I mean, really, it, it's something that you guys pay attention to across the state of Colorado and other areas as well. Correct. Yeah. So we, you know, part of my job is to is to also work with our um, our federal partners that own public lands as well, and trying to promote active forest management and, and forest management that has a benefit to wildlife and that kind of thing. So uh, we not only do it on public property, but we also have private lands uh, biologists and things like that working with private landowners to try to encourage them 
to do uh, forest management on their property as well. You know, Casey, uh, I love the analogy, by the way, of a bad haircut, and I fully understand what you're talking about. For, for, for people who have never seen what this process looks like, uh, explain to them exactly what we're talking. I mean, this isn't – you guys don't come in and clear cut and just take everything out. Well, what's the process entail when you go in to uh, restore an area like this? Sure, yeah. So what we're trying to do when we look at uh, doing a forest treatment is we try to look at – what that forest uh, should look like uh, historically and, and with, you know, the, the right ecological drivers in place like wildfire, drought, insects, and disease. And all of those things shape the way that the forest looks. And, and if you're not familiar with Colorado forests too much, uh, we, we have uh, over-dense forest in a lot of cases. And what we're trying to do is, is maintain forest and, and increase that structural diversity but also try to get it back to back to a, a density of trees that uh, is a little bit more resilient to all of these other outbreaks and and you know drought and stuff like that. And so, you know, when we go in there, we're we're looking to try to match those kinds of forest densities and and uh, not just cut down all of the trees. So when you go in there, and you mentioned that, that after the, the initial project is done, it's a three- to five-year process before it's healthy and drawing wildlife back in there. How long a period of time, and I might be asking you kind of a tough question here, but how long a period of time until you need to start looking at that area again? Is it 20, 25 years, 30 years until you figure, boy, maybe we need to retake a look at, at that area once again? Yeah, and that depends on uh, some factors, but we definitely uh, need to be looking at that area here 20 years from now and that kind of thing because the conifer trees and in, in the forest is just going to start laying cones down and, and growing more trees. And so this is a constant process. And this, if, you know, if we have active fire on the landscape and things like that, that clean out those, those new seedlings every once in a while and that kind of thing, it does, it's, it does our job for us a little bit, but yes, we do need to be looking at uh, some type of, you know, 20 to 30 year cycle of, of maybe revisiting an area that we've treated before to see if it's still providing the, the wildlife habitat that we're looking for. And having spent some time down there in that Spanish Peaks area, both you and I have, that, that's quite a beautiful area, isn't it? It is. It's, it's a really gorgeous part of the state that is a lot, most often overlooked. You know, there's not a lot of public uh, property down there, so I don't think as many people... Uh, go down there, uh, but uh, it is a really beautiful place with a lot of history and a lot of culture. Great stuff, Casey. We always appreciate you joining us here on Colorado Outdoors. Hey, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Our thanks to Mike Smith, CPW Wildlife Technician out of the Southeast region, and Casey Cooley, Forest Habitat Coordinator for CPW, for sharing with us about the recently completed forest restoration project in the Spanish Peak State Wildlife Area. Important work by CPW. Remember, for anything and everything pertaining to Colorado Parks of the Wildlife, go to our website at cpw.state.co.us. Thanks for joining us on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. Until next time, get out and enjoy the great outdoors in our beautiful state of Colorado.
Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a nationally recognized leader in conservation, outdoor recreation, and wildlife management. The agency manages 42 state parks, 960 plus species of wildlife in Colorado, more than 350 state wildlife areas, and a host of recreational programs from hunting and fishing to the state's trails program, boat registration, snowmobiles, off-highway vehicles, and more. All of its management is in perpetuity for the enjoyment of Coloradans and its visitors.